Life Audio. Biblical masculinity. What do we mean when we talk about being a man the way that God created men to be? There is so much confusion today in our society about gender and gender roles. We talked about all of these things. But even among Christians, there is a vast misunderstanding, it seems, about what it is to be a biblical man. What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a husband and a father, a leader in our communities, a leader in our churches? What does it mean and why does it matter? We're going to talk about that and more after this break. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hello and welcome to the March or Die show today. Very glad to have you joining me and looking forward to the interview that you are about to hear. Uh, This is going to be an episode you certainly are going to want to listen all the way through, of course, but then share with others And we'll get to that in just a second, but it is good to have you joining me. If you are listening to this podcast and you have not yet subscribed from your favorite podcast platform, you say, how do I know which one's my favorite? It's the one that you're listening from right now. That's your favorite. Go ahead and subscribe wherever it is you are listening from. Leave us a rating if you can. Uh, That would be wonderful. Leave me a comment. I would love to get that as well. Do that and then take some time. Go over to YouTube. You can find my YouTube channel. Go to YouTube, search for Jeremy Stonelucker. You'll find my channel there. And uh, I put a lot of content there. This show, of course, is there. And I would love to share that with you. A wonderful platform for communication. I know there are things about YouTube we don't like. And certainly we could throw rocks at YouTube all day. Uh, But I'll tell you this. It's a great opportunity for you to not only support this content, support this show, uh, support me as I have the opportunity to produce this for you. But as you subscribe, you hit that notification bell. You know when new content comes out. You can listen to the content. You can watch it. You can leave me comments. You can share it. That's a great place to do that. And you know you're on YouTube anyhow. So go ahead and subscribe to Jeremy Stonelecker on YouTube. That is my channel. And then take some time. Go over to my web page, jeremystonelecker.com, jeremystonelecker.com. I say this often, but I don't love myself. I just don't forget my name. I forget so many other things, but I don't forget my name. JeremyStonlicker.com. Check that out. And uh, on that site, you will find a few things. Links to this podcast, 
other podcasts that I am involved with. Also, information about me, the ministry and organization that I am a part of, the Mighty Oaks Foundation. There's a link out directly from there. My blog is there. I write every single week, putting out content, again, available to you, intended to be helpful for you. And there is a place for you to sign up for my weekly newsletter every Friday morning, wherever you are, into your inbox directly. I know you get a lot of junk. This isn't junk. This is great content. It's helpful content, and uh, I'm not selling anything. I'm not pitching you anything. Just pushing content directly to you. Sometimes it is devotional. Other times, blogs that I have written, other information, uh, content that I've produced, and uh, typically a verse of the week, a quote of the week. I'd love to share that with you. Please go to jeremystonlicker.com. You can sign up for that newsletter. Just put your email address in there and we'll get that out to you. Thank you again for joining. March or Die, of course, is the show where we talk about putting one foot in front of the other. In life, it's easier to stay where you are and die, but really, we understand the necessity, the need to not stay where we are, to not give in, to not hit it into neutral and just coast. That's death but rather to march, to put one foot in front of the other, to move toward that objective that God has set before you. And there are so many things that we talk about, so many principles, so many uh, perspectives that we take on this. Today we are going to talk about what it is to be a man. What is biblical masculinity? And I want to have this conversation for a lot of reasons. Number one, uh, it's a very important conversation, particularly at this point in time in our society and our culture. Two, my guest, uh, this is his life. He talks about this. He writes about this. And uh, we have a great opportunity to talk about this together. Thankful for that. Uh, But beyond that, I I believe that so many men, even Christian men, men in the church, husbands and fathers, have chosen death. (laughs) Uh, Not physically. They're still alive. They're going to work. They're doing the things they're supposed to do. But they've chosen death. They have decided that it would be easier to stay where they are, to kick it into neutral, to just get by, to just make it. They've chosen death. When really what they need to do is understand what God has created them to do, who God has created them to be, how they can be the men that God has created them to be, what biblical masculinity looks like, how they can lead their families, how they they can lead in uh, their own communities and in church, how they can do that. That's marching. It's putting one foot in front of the other in spite of the obstacles, the difficulties, the trials, and the traumas of life. And uh, very grateful to have on with me a tremendous guest. Kyle Thompson is with us. You're going to hear this interview in just a second. Uh, Kyle is the founder of Undaunted.life. That is his ministry to men. I'm going to read directly off of his website. Uh, just to encapsulate what they do. It's fantastic. The mission of Undaunted.life is equipping men to push back darkness. They do this by providing content that leads men to forge spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. Kyle is also the host of Undaunted.life, a man's podcast. Uh, so many great resources. I will link out to his webpage so that you can find those. But a wonderful conversation, and I know that it's one hopefully that you will enjoy. But beyond enjoying it, I hope that it will be a challenge to you. Listen all the way through. Share this out with men in your life. You'll be happy that you did. Please enjoy this conversation with Kyle Thompson. Kyle Thompson, thanks for joining me, man. Really appreciate it. Happy to be here. Thanks for the invite. Yes, sir. You have a lot going on right now. We talked about this a little bit last week, getting ready for a hunt, and you're right in the middle of training for that. Which we were just talking about, which I think is uh, pretty crazy, <laughs> pretty funny well, actually. Let's let's not 
It, people hear training and they think I'm like running hills or running a marathon every day like Cam Haynes. No, no, no. I'm taking a, a, like a hunter safety course, which, you know, isn't like a reasonable length one. It's like four right. hours long. But if I don't do it, then they won't let me hunt in Colorado. So that's what I'm training to do right now. I'm not doing anything cool. Are, are, you, in, are you in that course with like six-year-old kids who are also going through the hunter safety course? Well, see, here's the thing is I'm not going to hate on hunter safety courses because there's a lot of right. stuff in there that you can know. And, and I didn't grow up hunting in a family that yeah. hunted. And so some of that's good information. It's just annoying that, you know, you're this close and I should be worried about making sure I'm taking the right shot, making sure I've got the yeah. right gear, don't want to get caught out miles away from anybody and not have the right stuff. And here I am, like, answering questions that say, yes, I know what a trigger does. Yes, I know uh, what projectiles do whenever they hit flesh. Right. And so it, it is what it is. I, uh, I remember the first time I took a hunter safety course, uh, I was out of the Marine Corps for probably, I, I don't know, maybe two months. And out of the Marine Corps means I came back from Iraq and <laughs> I was out of the Marine Corps. And then I'm going through this class like, hey, let's go over the nomenclature of the weapon system. Don't ever point at anything you don't, int- you know, all the basic stuff, which again, I am sure it's good, but um, maybe they should ask where you're coming from when they put you through a course like that. But Yeah, I know they got their standards, so I'm not going to hate on them too bad. So let's uh, let's start with uh, with your story, um, the undaunted life, the work that you're involved in. Where does one start to end up where you are right now, doing the work that you're doing? Yeah, I guess the long story short is is that um, I became a Christian as a sophomore in high school. And so as a 10th grader, you're learning how to be a man, you know, at that time period, right? If you're an, if you're a male, which now we have to be very careful about even saying that. But as a male, you know, as a human being with Y chromosomes, you know, I'm learning what it means to be a man around the same time I'm learning what it means to be a Christian. And whenever I looked inside the church I was attending at the time, I saw a major divergence between the men I saw as manly and the men that I saw as godly. I didn't see them as the same person. So the manly men were outside the church doing man stuff, and the godly men were inside the church praying for people and putting hands on people and giving them limperous handshakes and all those types of things. I was like, okay. And so, you know, that dichotomy kind of, you know, worked its way into my early twenties. Then I started getting involved with some men's ministries, you know, wet read wild at heart for the first time. And John Eldridge is now a mentor of mine, which is pretty cool. But I saw most men's ministries as just women's ministries that were repackaged for men. Mm. And I was just like, well, that's weird. Like, you know, we, we shouldn't necessarily do that. But it all kind of came to a head when I was, I helped this, this organization kind of get off the ground and get started, but they, you know, they kind of got really big, but wanted to move really, really slow. And I was like, yeah, this isn't really my thing. And so I just realized that there were a lot of men that are out there that are kind of rougher around the edges. You like me, you know, kind of your typical masculine guys that maybe like to fight and, you know, they, they like, um, you know, they don't necessarily agree with some of the words that are said from the sermons and they don't really like a lot of the music and they don't really know why. And I felt like a lot of those guys that were rough around the edges, you know, uh, active duty and retired military police officers, uh, MMA fighters, those types of guys were going to miss out on who Jesus was because they walk into his church and see all these soft, doughy looking men. And they're like, yeah, I don't want to be one of these people. And so that led to uh, undaunted life that led to a 21 day devotional on the YouVersion Bible app. That's been completed, you know, tons and tons of times at this point um and then led to the podcast and on and on and here we are years later how did you uh begin to understand what a biblical man is or this this idea of biblical masculinity how did you start to put those pieces together because again there is kind of this view of a christian man is this and a masculine man is this i feel like some of that is changing in a lot of churches because of conversations like this but in your own experience your own walk how did you start to put those pieces together Really, I think it's lenses. So like, you know, when you're reading through the Bible, right, and I've got like several sitting right over here, but 
when you have something in mind and people talk about tinted glasses, usually they're talking about in terms of rose tinted glasses. But as I'm reading through the scripture, if I have something in mind, like I want to know what it means to be a masculine Christian man, I will read the Bible and I will notice those things. Everyone knows like when you buy a new car, you all of a sudden notice everyone else in town that has the same car that you have. And it's so annoying because you didn't see them beforehand, but you (laughs) see them now. There's some actual, you know, phenomenon that happens in the brain. I don't know the name of it, but I guess whenever you have that in mind and you, and you're desperately searching for that, the Bible will, will reveal that to you. Now, the the common thing that you need to make sure you don't do is that you don't read something into the text that's not there. And so that's kind of easy to do where you read something. And we're in this modern culture where we love scriptures that fit on T-shirts and on coffee mugs and on stuff like that. We don't really like digging into context because that requires a little bit more than a univariate analysis. But I think that that's kind of where it went. But obviously, to, to simplify it, Jeremy, go back to the Gospels, because if if Jesus is. The Christ, if he is a perfect sinless man, that means he was the most masculine, mm. most manly, testosterone-filled man in history. Right. But I, I, if I were to walk up to people in a coffee shop or in Lowe's or in just some random store and ask them to tell me, hey, think in all of history. And these are people you know, people you don't know, people that are alive today, people that are dead, whatever. Who are the manliest men that you can think of? And I, I've talked about this before when I've spoken live, like they may think of like, you know, uh, pol- political people like a George Washington yeah. or a Theodore yeah. Roosevelt. Maybe they're going to think of authors like a Jack London or an Ernest Hemingway. Maybe they're going to think about like something in Hollywood, like the, the John Wayne characters or some of the Clint Eastwood uh, Westerns. Maybe they're going to think of kind of modern military giants and heroes and influencers like a Jocko Willink or a Tim Kennedy. Maybe it's Cam Haynes or David Goggins or Joe Rogan or something like that. But what all those guys are missing is a a perfect sinless life. And yep. so, but the thing is in most of these guys that I would ask this question to, they're not going to say Jesus of Nazareth. They're not going to say Jesus Christ. And it's because in this modern world that we live in, especially in the modern church, we present Jesus as this meek, mild mannered, soft featured white man that apparently just never ruffled any feathers and didn't tell anybody anything that they didn't want to hear. And he only comforted people. He was the only, he was only lamb of God all the time. But when you actually read the book, Jeremy, you don't get that vision at all. You see someone that was perfectly 100% lamb and perfectly 100% lion, 100% grace, 100% truth. So start with the Gospels, but I I made this point last night at a speaking engagement. It's like if you look at the red letters in the Bible as if they're different, Mm -hmm. you don't understand the the triune nature of God. The entire Bible is red letters. Because yep. if Jesus is part of the Godhead, yep. it's all him. But And I'm, I'm getting off into a sermon now, no, but hopefully good. that answers your question. Yeah, it's good. It's funny you, you kind of draw that. You know, he was both. I have been um, studying, you know, for the last couple of weeks on Matthew chapter 11. That's the chapter that ends with, Come unto me, all you labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Um, and I preached on that yesterday. I had the opportunity to preach at my church and, and preached on that. But it's a crazy passage because it begins with John the Baptist, who's in prison, sending people to Jesus to say, to ask, are you, are you the Messiah? Are we waiting for someone else? Jesus answers that question to those disciples with the crowd gathered around him. And then he ends with the phrase, um, there, there's violence against heaven and the violent take it by force or something like that. And then he goes to the religious leaders who were standing there. And he just, I mean, like directly looks into their souls and says, look, you didn't repent. 
because you didn't repent, there will be consequences. If Sodom and Gomorrah had heard the message I've been preaching, they'd still be here today because they would have repented, they would have responded. And the end of that passage is then Jesus looking at the other people going, hey, I know things are tough. <laughs> mm-hmm. Come unto me, all you who labor. And it's a crazy passage because he goes through these like various levels of conversation. And I think that's what we've missed when we talk about biblical masculinity. Masculinity, an example of Jesus Christ, is the nuance that you can be a tender-hearted father caring for your kids, and you can be, uh, you know, the warrior at home defending your family. You can stand up for what's right. You can be gentle when that's needed. Why have we missed that? Why have churches, typically, and I say churches very broadly, there are good churches who get this right, mm-hmm. but why why do churches very broadly miss that that dichotomy of who Jesus is, and therefore who we are as as men, since we're talking about men? Right. Well, we feminize the church and the Lamb of God fits that feminized version of modernity, whereas the line of Judah doesn't really. And you could go back and there's a lot to unpack here, but you can go back to the Industrial Revolution and the World Wars, because with those things, the Industrial Revolution took a lot of the men out of the home and put them underground or in a factory for, you know, 15, 16 hours Mm. a day. Um, The World Wars, World War One, World War Two, the able bodied, virile, testosterone filled young leader men of the community were off fighting in some godforsaken battlefield in Europe. Right. And so the only people left inside the churches were the young, the old and the sickly and the weak. Right. Uh, The people that couldn't even, you know, volunteer or be drafted into into military service. And so if you're a pastor and a lot of pastors tend to be a little bit more artistic, I am painting with a broad brush here, but they tend to be more artistic. They they don't tend to check some of the, the typical masculine boxes in a lot of ways. And when you look out in your crowd and you see mainly women and children, don't you think that the sermon content and the musical content and the decorations of that facility mm-hmm. are going to bend towards your audience? It's basic marketing to a degree, sure. right? So m- books have kind of written about that. Like what is Caleb's like number one uh, type of listener? I think that their name is Becky <laughs> and Becky is a 30 something year old soccer yeah. mom. That's running errands during the day and picking up her kids from school and getting their lunches together and giving them baths and putting them in the bed. Yeah. And so that woman doesn't want to hear about the conquest. God. That woman doesn't want to hear about the power of the Lion of Judah, the judgment where Jesus comes back, you know, with his robe dipped in blood, with a sword in his mouth and a tattoo on his leg. That doesn't sound as good when you're singing the chorus for the 74th time, like the latest Elevation (laughs) Worship or Hillsong song. And so when you take all of that together, we get to this point where we have a modern church that may as well have neon signs outside saying, men, this is not for you. We don't have you in mind. When we think of our sermons, we don't have you in mind. Mm. When we pick our songs, when we pick the key that we sing the, sing the songs in, yeah. we don't have you in mind. And so what men do, and, and you know this, if there's no way for you to win the game, most men don't even want to play. It's sure. not even a, I'm going to take my ball and go home. It's a, I'm not even going to go to the field. Yeah. And so men will go where they can feel powerful and needed. And so that may be the garage. That may be the arms of another woman. That may be the range. They're going to go somewhere else. And so then on Father's Day, the preachers love to get up there and lament that there aren't any good, strong men there. Hey, we did this once a year chili cook-off. We yeah, brought in right. this old football player right. to come and speak, and only a few dozen of you guys showed up. What's wrong with you? It's like, what's wrong with us? What's wrong with us? Yeah. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with the church that doesn't focus on being man-friendly? You just focus on throwing a couple of man programs every now and then. Like when I go to speak at churches, they don't have a budget for men's speakers. They usually have to get people to like donate money to have me come and speak. It's because we're not even a line item. 
right? There's not a men's pastor or any of those types of things at these churches. And we all just look around and we just, we love to lament that the men aren't in the church anymore. It's like, well, what are you doing to fix that? So when you, and I agree with everything that you just said, and I hope that people listening agree with what you just said. So here's the next question, though, that goes along with that. If churches are geared toward a primarily female audience, and we're told that something like 70% of churchgoers are, are women, um, I, I don't know if that's an exact number, but, but generally speaking, yeah. okay, if, if that's a, a marketing decision, that is the pastor and the staff creating a service for the people that are there and the people that will respond, that makes sense, then how is adjusting the message to men so that we can attract more men and bring more men into the church not the same thing? And here's the question that goes along with that. Is this idea of we need to have songs and services and activities and events for men, is it simply something that is attractional to bring men to the church? Or is there a reason that men need to be coming to the church? And and I hope that question is clear. I feel like our society is our society, our culture is intentionally undermining men because of the order in which God has placed society, that a healthy society, a society that will grow and be fruitful and have healthy families need strong men. So there is, is an over attempt. This is the gender ideology stuff. This is all the stuff we're dealing with um, to undermine men, to destroy men. The church has fallen in line with that for one reason or another. What is the, reason that men need to come into the church, become active in the church, understand their role as given to them by God. Why do we need that to happen? So how you initially couched the question, you're describing it as if both things are fundamentally the same and superficially different, but it's the exact opposite. They're superficially the same and fundamentally different there because you, yeah. you could look at it like, oh, I'm shifting to where we're going to just try to attract the men now. And so well, let's try to swing it to 70% man and, and kind of right. get... Right. That's not how it works, though, and it's because but of what think, you eventually said, because of the ordering. And like I think that's or- how some people look at it, though, is like, well, okay, you're just remarketing or repackaging. Well, they're that's dumb. That's not the case. And so it's like, yeah, so it's like, it's pearls before swine at that point. It's like, do you want me to draw you a picture? Because, like, the, the truth <laughs> of the matter is, is like, because of the ordering of society and the ordering of humanity and the ordering yeah. of creation, as you as you just put it, whenever things are in order, we don't have those imbalances, Right. Because it's there. I don't think there is a way where you can get 70 percent of uh, people at a church to be men. And then there's just going to be a few women and children kind of smattering along. And the same thing is true is that when you have a family, read the book Family Shepherds by Vody Bauckham. That's his one of his books that really no one even knows about. That was written like, you know, 10 years ago. But he talks about a man that is the spiritual center of his household, who is catechizing his wife and children and is, is leading them spiritually. And that is a household where the woman is not oppressed. She is elevated to an extreme degree. She's more beautiful than she could ever be in the eyes of society. And the children aren't ruled over in some sort of authoritarian, totalitarian regime. They are they are elevated in a way that they don't even understand, which isn't yep. even going to really hit their brains until they have children someday. And they realize, oh, my gosh, all parents don't do what my dad did. Like, th- this is incredible. And so when I say that is – If the right ordering of creation is that woman is to be a helper for man, she is the weaker vessel in a complementarian sense. She is just as valuable to God, but has been given different roles. 
then you cater to the role that is dominant in the creation order, which is the role of manhood and masculinity that starts with church leadership and then goes down into how you even do a kid's ministry. But then we get into all these other things about, well, what about all the egalitarian churches? What about all the LGBTQ affirming churches? What about the churches that say it's okay to murder babies in the womb? You know, this gets way out into a lot of other areas, but just to address that thing, if you think that if we cater to the men that these churches will fold up, then you have not read the Bible. You don't understand the power of, of creation and the order with which it was created in. Yeah, that's good. That's a that's a, such a great way to explain that. It, it's funny because I also believe in spite of the feminist movement <laughs> and all of the things that we're experiencing culturally, and it's just it's crazy and it's upside down, that m- women desire to have authentic masculine men in their lives, and they desire mm-hmm. to... Um, I won't say follow, but follow, but I think be in a congregation to be in a place where men are assuming the role that God gave to them. And that grows everything exponentially, not only the church, but also within the community. What can men, this is, by the way, for those listening, this is not what what I asked you to come on and talk about. (laughs) Here we are. Um, What, what, um, what can pastors, churches, church leaders do to create an environment that uh, masculine men um, are attracted to or at least understand there's something there for them and they can grow because not all men male people are hunters or trained jiu-jitsu three times a week or mm-hmm. or or whatever and that's okay that's not the mark of a man um, but there is masculinity there is strength and there is leadership what does that look like in a church congregation so I think this is one of those things, Jeremy, that people can super overcomplicate and they can theorize. It's like those people that are significantly overweight and as opposed to just putting on their shoes and going for a right. run in the morning, yeah, sure. they're going to do six months of research on the best <laughs> type of shoe for their right. foot and get their foot right. measured and what type of foam in the sole is best yeah. for this particular pavement in this part of the world as opposed to just going and running. So th- there is a little bit of that here. But what I would encourage people listening to this, especially pastors that would want to make their church more man-friendly, is to realize realize that caricature forms of masculinity only get you so far. So what I mean by that is there are a lot of churches that once a year, they will do the chili cook-off. They'll do the beast feast where they bring in, you know, they're going to slaughter a pig or a buffalo and everyone's going to eat it. And they'll bring in the guy from the the nature channel that's going to come in and talk about the one time when he shot a giraffe and all this kind of stuff. And all that's fine. And like that, that's cool. And those things can be entertaining. That's not men's ministry. And you know what it's certainly not? Discipleship. Right. And that's where you really right. get into the meat of what a church is. I'll put it to you this way. A couple of weeks ago, I was invited to speak at this men's event in follow Oklahoma, small town that got Great Lakes out there and, and all kinds of stuff. And I come in there, and at the end, I kind of added it last minute in the afternoon. I added, a, you know, basically an altar call, a presentation of the gospel, because yeah. I was like in a room like this, and I could feel the weight of it before I even went out there and talked. I was like, man, there are people in this room that, that need Jesus. This isn't a bunch of... Uh, church and unchurched people. There's lost people in this room. And at the end of the, the service, it ended up being like 12, 13 guys gave their lives to Christ that night. Yeah. And I immediately, as soon as I'm done talking, I'm good to just leave. Like I'll leave out the back door. Yeah. Like if people forget my name, but remember the message, that's all for it. Yeah. But the guy that, that did the event that booked me and the pastor of the church that we presented at, I told them, I implored them immediately after it was over. I said, guys, discipleship starts now. 
It starts now. These guys are on an emotional high. They heard a great you know talk, and then now they're they're ready to go and get whatever. But it starts right now, not tomorrow, not next week, not whenever you can fit it into your schedule. It starts yeah. right now. Worry about discipling your men, That's because right. if you want your men to be engaged in the local church, well, we have a book here of ancient texts, God breathe, that tells us that we should support the local church, not just with our money, but with our time and our attention. And that will also extend to what we do inside of our homes, catechizing our wives and children and in, in bringing our children up in the ways of the Lord and teaching them biblical ethics about things like sex and money and, and power and all those types of things. And you would be shocked at, at what type of an impact you'll have. But don't just do the camo stuff. Don't just do the meat yep. stuff. Because here's the thing. I don't care what you like to do in your off time. I check those caricature boxes. I like four-wheel drive t- trucks. I train jujitsu all the time. I like to shoot. I like to dr- eat meat. I like to drink whiskey and smoke cigars. I check those boxes. But let's say you're into cooking and classical yep. music and writing poetry and some things that don't seem like a modern form of masculinity. I don't care. I care about whether you cultivate spiritual, mental, and physical resilience on a daily yep. basis because that's what a man is. And if you do all that under and you meek yourself under Christ, and that's a good time to get into the word meek, which is we in our modern parlance, we think of that as weakness. <laughs> but meekness, I don't know if you, most of your listeners know anything about horses, but when you meek a war horse, you don't take the war horse's power because then he's no longer a war horse. He's not useful in battle. But when you meek a war horse, you make it to where all of their incredible power is available, but under the guidance of the rider. And so think about that in a godly Christian context. Make it to where the men in your church have every last ounce of their strength. And I don't just mean physically. And then you make sure that it is tethered to the guidance of the almighty God and just look at what will happen in your church. Enough of the once a year uh, things, enough of the once a month Saturday morning pancake breakfast. That is not men's ministry. That's programming. We've got to know the difference. That's good, man. Discipleship is so important there. It's funny to hear you talk about the, you know, when you speak at a church and talking about discipleship starts now, I go to a lot of places where I speak Sunday morning, maybe a little bit different, but a men's event of some kind, and I'll say, how do you want this to end? And typically, very, very often, as I'm surprised, very often the person who organized it will say, well, why don't you just end it and then we'll be done? And, and I'll say, no, I, I can't do that because I'm leaving. <laughs> you, you're yeah. staying. I need to come to a point where I then hand it over to you right. and you need to end it so that the men here understand with, when they need help, discipleship, encouragement, you know, all those things that we just talked about. They come to you and you do that. But I think that piece is missing from so many people. It's an event. Have someone come speak. Whatever is said will carry them over to the next event. And if the church misses the discipleship piece, right. there's not going to be a next event or the guys who are here now won't be at that next event. Well, what's funny about that is I tell people because when they ask me, so I very rarely get asked to, hey, will you come in and talk about this? Uh, most people have listened to my show for a long period of time, and they're just yeah. like, we're going to give you latitude to talk about whatever you want to talk about, and we'll just trust you. And I'm like, great, that's what I want. But if they press me, um, they're going to like, what What are you going to do when you get here? And I, I basically tell them, I, I think I answered this um, you know, randomly years ago, and now I just use it as my canned answer. I say, I, I plan to come in, burn it down, and walk away. That's what I'm going to do. And guess what? And I tell them, I'm like, look, I don't live here. Just like you were saying, I don't go to church here. 
These yeah. aren't my people. These aren't my foxhole dudes. None of these people are consequential to my life or vice versa. Like, if I go up and poke one of these dudes in the chest, they don't have to take me seriously because I'm just a random dude that they brought in to yep. speak, right? And so it's like I plan to burn off all the stuff that's not needed, and then you get to sift through the ashes and evaluate what's left and then figure out what's worth rebuilding. And so that, that may seem a little grandiose for someone to say who's just coming in to be a guest speaker, but that's my plan. Like, I mean, because, again, I'm not going to come in there and just tell these guys how good they are and how they just need to make minor adjustments and they'll be better moral people. No, I want to come in and let you know that you are deeply depraved. And if you're not saved by the blood of the lamb, you won't be saved by anything, yeah. including and especially your own works. And I'm sorry, that's not the nicest, cleanest, most soft thing that somebody could talk about. And if and if you're not wanting to deal with the ashes, then don't book me. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that should be the goal of a men's event. I, again, I get asked this question, what should our goal be? The goal should be to help create some momentum where there isn't any or to add gas to the flame that's burning so that you can continue to work with these men. And, and that, that discipleship is, is not a program, as you mentioned. It's, it's men coming alongside of other men and men encouraging other men. I, I was, a, um, you know, I was a, a pastor. I was a guy who had been in the Marine Corps. I thought I understood leadership, and then I had kids. And if you ever think you understand leadership, have some kids, and you realize you're, you're struggling. Uh, my my son, um, who is 21 now and works for our police department here locally, he was not doing well as like a 10-year-old kid, 11-year-old kid. And so I found a good jiu-jitsu gym, and we got him into jiu-jitsu. And he started training, and he loved it. He was there all the time, and he ended up like basically living there and taking every class they let him take. And there there came a point in that in that journey of his that I realized if I was going to connect with my son, I needed to be where he was. And so I started training as well. And this was, you know, five or six years ago. Um, and we still train together today. Now he teaches the class and, and uh, I still go to his class. But, but that process, it had nothing to do with jujitsu for me. It, it didn't, it doesn't, I know a lot of people who train. I mean, you and I, you know, both know Chad Robichaux is a third or fourth degree black belt. And mm. uh, I, I know a lot of people who train. Jiu-jitsu is wonderful. I watch it. I like it. But that matters very little to me. What matters more is I had an opportunity to disciple my son by being with him and the conversations we had and, and all that went along with that. And that's how I view what you're talking about with men's ministry. The events, the things, the special speakers, the breakfast, the lunch, whatever. That's an excuse to put men together so that the process of discipleship can take place. That's super powerful. Well, You've got to understand that. Well, and beyond that, Jeremy, think about it. Think of those events as events. So I train yeah. all the time and yeah. I don't just mean jujitsu. I lift, I do cardio, yeah. I stretch, I train jujitsu, I train boxing and Muay Thai and, and kickboxing. Like I do those things. Right. But a tournament, a jujitsu tournament is yeah. an event. Right. A, a mud run is an event. The yeah. Murph is an event. Chad 1000 X is an event. Right. But guess what? You can't do those events if you're not training all the other days. Correct. Yeah. And I work out alone. And aside yeah. from a couple of years with a buddy uh, right after college, I've lifted alone since I was 15 years old, right. right? And so guess what? When I'm training in my garage, no one knows if I took the last set off. No one knows if I didn't do that last rep. If I'm running sprints, they don't know if I dogged it on the middle three or four sprints and then just turned it up at the end to pretend as if I worked hard the whole time. No one knows that except me. Because yeah. I know that when the lights are on at some point, if I gas out in a tournament, that's not yeah. his fault. That's my fault. Yeah. If I gas out doing an event or, you know, fall flat on my face or got to take a bunch of extra breaks when I'm working out with, with somebody else, that's a me problem. And so 
Look at that directly with what's happening with the men in your flock. They have a major attack of conscience, attack of faith crisis hit their life. You know, that they one of their kids dies or their wife gets cancer yep. or something like that. And all of a sudden they don't believe in God anymore. That is indicative of somebody that hadn't been training year round to be able to deal with a circumstance like that where the foundations of their life cracked and crumbled beneath their feet. And so that's what you need to make sure the men are doing. Because getting a guy to show up to an event is hard, but it's not impossible, right? But making sure that there are sages yes. that are putting wisdom yes. into the guys that are kind of middle life and then putting wisdom into young men and the young men are putting wisdom into younger men, it is incredible. Like this... Again, it's not hard to figure out. It's hard to do. That's good. Man, so much more there. Um, I love it. Where can people um, follow you, listen to your podcast, get your books, all the rest of it? Yeah, so no books yet. You're you're just another person bothering me to write a book. So thanks a lot, Jeremy. But uh, <laughs> I'll a, get to it eventually. Yeah, everybody you. shut up. Um, yeah, so Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. We're everywhere. You get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, all those different places. Our website is just undaunted.life, so www.undaunted.life. We're basically at Undaunted Life on all different social medias, but we're only really active on Instagram and Facebook, so you won't be able to really do much with us anywhere else. But, yeah, we'd love to have you guys over there. And I did want to also mention as well. We're basically a listener supported company and ministry. Mm. So we get a little bit of money from advertisements on our show, but the overwhelming majority of how, of how we're able to even keep the lights on to keep producing the content that we produce and all the stuff we have coming in 2023, which is yep. going to be absolutely insane is because we have guys that go to our website, they hop on our donation page and they're given to us on a monthly basis. We got dudes giving five bucks a month, 50 bucks a month, 500 bucks a month. Every little bit helps, but what it communicates to us and to me is that you agree with our message. You agree with what we're doing. You want us to keep going because I tell people all the time, I will shut the doors on Undaunted Life when people stop listening, right? Because like if, if I can't be having an impact for Christ through the podcast medium or through something else, I will go do something else, right? And so I would just encourage guys, if you like our message, if you like our content, support the content creators you like. If they don't have you know money coming in from some random dead uncle yep. or some you know foreign agency or something <laughs> yeah. like like that they need your help to yeah. keep them alive so i would encourage people to do that but i just appreciate the time on your show that's awesome well i hope we can do this again and actually get to the topic we had discussed discussing but what was the topic great. that we were even discussing? We were going to talk about forgotten. discipline versus motivation that's what we had said we were going to talk about and that's a great topic too but we'll yeah. get to that at some other point uh kyle thompson thanks man really really appreciate your time thanks jeremy Really appreciate Kyle coming on and spending some time with us today. And uh, his perspective, not only is it right, <laughs> but he's so clear, so articulate in presenting it. And uh, grateful for him, grateful for the work that he does. Please go and check out his website. Listen to his podcast. I'll link to those in the show notes. Thank you for listening. Really appreciate it. And uh, very grateful for you coming on and checking this out, spending some time with us. And I hope that you will continue to do that, share this content out. Please also as I mentioned earlier, if you're not yet subscribed, subscribe. If you have not subscribed to the YouTube channel, go ahead and do that. You can find that by searching my name on YouTube. Go to jeremystalliker.com. All of those great places for you to find resources that are available to you. Final resource, and I always encourage you with this, go to Life Audio, lifeaudio.com. This podcast, of course, is there. Many other great podcasts 
uh, all faith focused. You'll find podcasts on parenting and marriage and studying your Bible and living the life that you were created by God to live. And I want to encourage you to go and check that out. They've been incredible partners and uh, grateful for what they're doing and for the opportunity to have my podcast on that platform, lifeaudio.com. I'll remind you, as I do every single week, when you feel like the bullets of life are coming your direction, things are exploding around you, you are faced with a decision. Will you march, that is putting one foot in front of the other, moving to the place that God has for you to go, or will you stay where you are and die? March. (laughs) Don't make that other decision. Uh, So many people decide to stay where they are emotionally, relationally, spiritually. They're dead. Decide instead to put one foot in front of the other, and God will use that to take you exactly where he wants you to be. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you next time. I'm Don Hawkins, and I once heard Chick-fil-A founder Truett Cathy say, you can tell if a person needs encouragement, check to see if they're breathing. I'd like to invite you to my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You, featuring encouraging guests like Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley, Dan Cathy, the late Dr. Frank Menrith, Josh McDowell, and more. To subscribe to my weekly Encouragement for You podcast, go to lifeaudio.com. That's lifeaudio.com.